Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, well, Sharon, I know we're getting ready to have a guest on who's one of your favorites. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember when he was a young board member on the board whenever I was president. Yeah. And yeah. I knew he was a star. Well, yeah, and he has been a star. And uh, we always love having you back. Randy Moore, welcome, Randy. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. And uh, so tell us a little bit about what you're you're doing now and uh, you know what your role encompasses uh, over at North Star I mean for those that that don't know Randy um, which most people do you know he was the the CEO of the ANA um, and decided what about a year ago mm-hmm. uh, to yeah. take on another role so we're going to talk a little bit today about that role and you know how you got to the C-suite per se and get a little bit of background and maybe even delve into some of the reasonings behind leaving the ANA if that's sure. okay with you. Sure. Right. I'm happy to unpack that. So Great. I've been in my role here at North Star Anesthesia for about 10 months or so, plus or minus. Uh, and in my role, my title is Chief Anesthetist Officer. And my job is to make sure that we position North Star as the most attractive employer in every market we are for CRNAs. So Full you're stop. anesthetist because that encompasses AAs, docs, or, or is it? just CRNAs only that you are over and I'm just saying sure, because sure. or or would it be chief nurse anesthesiologist <laughs> <laughs> I want to get out of this alive so let's let's just let's stay, let's stay with uh CRNA this is a safe space <laughs> so yeah I so the, the great thing one of the things that attracted to me about uh attracted me to North Star is it is a highly matrix organization, meaning that I have my hands in almost every component of mm-hmm. the company, right? Mm. So anywhere from, if you think about uh, business development, startups, leadership, um, I'm, you know, I'm involved in the recruiting activities, marketing activities. And so my job is really multi, multidisciplinary within the company, which is what one of the reasons, one of the main So drivers. it feeds your ADD? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I get to do a lot of different things. And if I'm not careful, I, I can... Uh, you, you get know, more. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, but, you know, when, in relative to CRNAs, uh, my job is really to lean in on, on like, I, I spend a disproportionate amount of my time thinking about leadership and culture, because I know that uh, I feel pretty strongly that 
you know, one of our evergreen goals at North Star is to be the destination employer for CRNAs. And I would even say a destination employer for CRNA leaders. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, we've got to be very focused on developing, promoting, rewarding, positioning CRNAs to have uh, to be successful within the company. They have you know a big voice and a high level of influence. And uh, I spend a huge amount of my time focused on that. Mm-hmm. Randy, how do you how do you do that? I mean, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, how do you guys differentiate opportunities for CRNAs versus a, another employer? I mean, I know that's what you work on daily, sure. um, and, and I'm sure our listeners would be interested in in, in knowing that because you know, I think a lot of CRNAs, it really just comes down to compensation and are they comfortable working sure. where they're working. How else can you differentiate that opportunity? Yeah. Well, I think it's important to understand that, and I think this is true for almost any company of of any size, that typically two-thirds of your workforce is going to be CRNA, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, for your workforce to be CRNA, but your senior leadership to have a vacuum of CRNA leadership. Right. Right. Those are powerful words. So I encourage you all, go to websites and look at the executive team. (laughs) And if the executive team is devoid of a CRNA or CRNAs, that is a really important signal to pick Mm -hmm. up, right? So I think it's, and and it's not like it's, there's a lot of conversation that occurs in the anesthesia specialty that is zero sum, binary, right? Right. Meaning that if I win, you lose, you lose, I win. And this plays out in the anesthesiologist CRNA space quite a bit. At Northstar, we really do believe in the fact in that, CRNAs and physician leaders should be at in leadership positions at every level of the company, including the executive leadership team. So the way this plays out is with our physician leaders on the executive leadership team, uh, I'm at the same level. I have the same voice. I have the same level of influence. And we work together amazingly well. It is a true partnership between the corporate leadership, the physician leadership, and the CRNA leadership. And there really is a blurring in the lines of like, hey, uh, there's a problem here with, a, let's say, a facility or maybe there's a physician leader or a CRNA leader. We come together and we work on this together. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's very little to no ego at the executive leadership team of the company, which is pretty unusual mm-hmm. uh, in the anesthesia space because of the hierarchy and politics that are often in place. So like to drill down on your comment, like how do you do this well? How do you become a destination employer? Well, one thing I know is that there's very little that I can do by myself to create that kind of culture. I'm just one person, one voice. It doesn't actually matter what role I'm in. Like my level of influence is going to be predicated on the quality of CRNA leadership we have in the company. So people ask me, well, how do you drive culture in a company that has 200 plus facilities? And the way you do that is having a laser focus on leadership. And Mm so, you know, all the way, you know, to the front line, chief CRNAs, assistant chiefs, and same thing for the medical directors, obviously, all the way up. I'm working really hard to articulate a vision of what clinical leadership excellence looks like. Hold people accountable. Promote people who are demonstrating that orientation, reward them financially, reward them with opportunity, and then make some tough decisions for folks who aren't. And right. that's, the, that's like, you know, in our environment, to be a destination employer, everyone's pulling the same lever, which mm. is compensation. Right. There's very few organizations that are actually pulling the culture lever 
with any level of success. Right. And, I, and I would put us at quite, I mean, I know I'm biased, but sure. I, I would put us at the top of the pile. But culture means everything. It is everything. It yeah. is everything. And I'll give you an example. I worked in a facility in the late 90s, and it was truly my most favorite job I have ever had. And it was the culture of the organization, the sure. anesthesia department. And it all rose and fell on leadership because yep. the chief CRNA was incredible about bringing everybody together. Now, fast forward, I have not seen that again until recently. I went back to work in a hospital a couple days a week, uh, and I'd been out of the hospital for 16 years, and it's the same culture that I had in the late 90s, and it's all based on leadership of that chief CRNA. But you did bring up something. Representation does matter, and, and... it just makes me appreciate her even more because she's not at those tables mm-hmm. um, within this organization, which is which is a problem, mm-hmm. which is a problem. But how she's been able to still keep the culture within the anesthesia department is nothing short of miraculous. Yeah. But I think that goes to her and her leadership. But yeah. culture is everything. And you know it when you feel it. Sure. And you know it when you're there. Yeah. 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 So let's digress for just a minute, uh, Randy. I mean, obviously, you've been in leadership a lot throughout your career. I mean, you were in the military and, um, you know, and, and then I was trying to remember your position before coming to A&A, but you were, what was your title? You were you in were leadership in then. You're in a hospital setting, mm-hmm. but you were in leadership then. And then mm-hmm. obviously A&A. How did you transition really from the OR as a, as a CRNA to saying, hey, I want to be in leadership. You know, what was that? What drove you to do that? Stupidity? <laughs> no, no, I, I don't. I actually don't. You were the only one left yeah. standing? Yeah, exactly. It was at MBA. You, got, you yeah. weren't at the meeting and they volunteered you? Yeah, I, was, I got voluntold. Yeah. No, that's actually like not that. true. That's uh-huh. actually the opposite. Of, no, you raised your hand, didn't I did, you? And, and did, and did, and did, and over and over again uh, to the point of, uh, you know, your wife my wife questioning you. my sanity. There was a period of time <laughs> where this is true. I received three promotions in let's say a eighteen month yeah. period, and each time I was promoted, I made less money. <laughs> and my wife's like, "This is not how it works. <laughs> what are you doing?" And I think like, I got a plan. I got a plan. Yeah. And so, and I didn't really have a plan, but I, I, I definitely. <laughs> but that's not what you told her. Yeah, 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 for sure. Right? And your so, wife's lovely. She's awesome for sure, and she's a saint. Uh, so. You know, for me, it's been um, like when I look at people who are in our space, you know, the anesthesia space or uh, who are clinicians who really do differentiate themselves as senior level leaders within an organization. There's some things that there are some commonalities that, that I see pretty consistently. And part of it is, and is this is going to sound strange, but there's a piece of what you've been taught in your clinical education that you have to unlearn. In terms of, yeah. And so, Mm. you know, you know, and so it's thinking about how to, it's understanding the context of the environment you are in, you know, pattern recognition. It's around, uh, you know, understanding how to develop influence Mm -hmm. and something, you know, there was no class called influence in nursing anesthesia program, but it's right. hugely, influ- like this is what we're in as a real, and if you're in a leadership role, you're, you're in the re- the business of relationships. Absolutely. And so how do you develop influence, you know, and, and what are the things that you need to do in order to position yourself for when the opportunities present to be, to get a good look. And yep. so, 
for whatever reason, you know, blinding ambition, insecurity, you name it, probably all of the above. <laughs> all of the above. Yeah, all of the above. I, I was really interested in moving into a broader leadership role, mm-hmm. in love with the anesthesia, in love with the specialty, but always had an idea that I wanted to be in, in a broader role and to impact the organization, whatever organization I was in, at a more strategic level. Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim, and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Well, you know, there are characteristics that um, high-performing executives have. Why don't don't we talk a little bit about that? Because, uh, you know, I, I see you and you exude a lot of those. Um, and um, I'd like to know, you know, was that internal or was it developed? You know, I think it's a little bit of both. I know there's there's this nature versus nurture conversation that always occur, you know, that always occurs. Are leaders born or can you develop into a leader? And I think it's the same. I would say that people, you can even, there is a component of that is, I think, DNA. That is, that is a bit genetic and that you have you're born with a certain predisposition, certain to certain strengths and weaknesses, right? But that doesn't mean that with intentionality and hard work, you can't develop those skills. And, and so I do, I think it's a bit of both. I think you know, leaders are born and I think there's an opportunity, even if you may not have a strong genetic predisposition to being a good communicator, maybe you're an introvert like me, or maybe you um, are a textbook conflict avoider. If you're aware of those things and you work on them, you can position yourself to be successful in senior level leadership roles. So I think it's a bit of the both. What and, I And it's a progression. I mean, I remember watching you whenever you first got on the sure. board and I used in my mind you were my EF Hutton of the board uh-huh. because you didn't speak a lot, but when you spoke, we all knew to shut up and listen. Oh, well, thank you. That's so, nice. you yeah. were my EF Hutton. Yeah. <laughs> And that's one of the things that I don't think I knew what I was doing, but one of the things I strongly encourage people who want to, there's this, you think like, I want to be, I want to be recognized. I want to be influential. I want to have a voice. And the predisposition is to talk, 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 talk. Mm-hmm. We, all, we all know those people, <laughs> by the way. And one of them I love dearly, Juan Quintana. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Juan came on the board yeah. and he wasn't even on the board yet. He's dynamite, They sat with the person they're going to replace on the board and yeah. we needed to he put a sock in him. <laughs> he hit the ground running. But I love him. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's actually a little bit of the inverse, which is I like to, like, even today if I'm in meetings, uh, I like to be quiet for the first portion of the meeting. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why is because I'm in a room full of people who are smarter than me. Mm-hmm. And, and you want that. You know, and, and I want to listen and I want to learn. And I'm, mm-hmm. what I'm good at, I think, is hearing other people's perspectives and opinions mm-hmm. and then kind of bringing it together and saying, yeah. well, this is what I'm hearing. And it looks like a superpower, but what it all all really is is just being intentional about listening. You know yeah. what? And come come to realize, you just 
you're exactly right. On the board, you you would sit there and you would begin your sentences just like you just did. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. That's how you you began your sentences. So at least you, you're pretty self-aware for a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it stops there, I'm sure. His uh, wife has trained him well. Yeah, yeah after so she I, unchanged you from the but basement. But I think it's like... I, <laughs> I mentioned that I'm an introvert. And, yes, you and, are. and there's a misconception that introverts can't be good leaders. <clears throat> right. What I think is driving that kind of behavior that is beneficial is my introversion, which is mm-hmm. I come mm-hmm. in a room and I assess. Yeah, absolutely. And so if I'm in a meeting, I'm in a conversation, we're facing a tough problem, we got to make an important decision. I'm rarely the first person that speaks mm-hmm. and often the last person that speaks. Mm-hmm. And it's one, it's probably some way related to my introversion. And also, I really am very curious about what your opinion is. Hmm. And I may come in with an opinion, uh, I, but I'm very open to changing my opinion mm-hmm. based on the data and the conversation, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I think, you know, with young leaders, I tell people, especially young executive leaders who've, you know, new, newer executive leaders, I tell them, shut your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you should be talking a lot less than what you're listening and fight that impulse to show mm-hmm. people how smart you are mm-hmm. right? and how smart your, you know, your great ideas. They will come out. Mm-hmm. And then when they come out, it's the room will be ready to hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. Yeah, because there's always going to be someone who wants to sure. dominate the conversation. Sure. So that's, you know, it's kind of counterintuitive. Well, yeah. that's the, the chair of the board should be. Mm-hmm. Bringing bringing that yeah, out for sure, a facilitating good cha- yeah. exactly a good yep. chair will be able to do that. All right, let's transition just a little bit. You were our CEO hmm. um, for four years, mm-hmm. and what made you want to take this leap? And why would you want to leave us, even no. though we work our CEOs to death? Yeah. Well, I'm here. <laughs> yes, you are left. here. You are here. <laughs> so uh, you yeah. are here. But I mean, I'm sure that'll you know. I think a lot of people thought you're you're young and this might be your yeah. retirement job. I mean, I do realize that in our association's minds, we think of John Gard because sure. he basically, sure. it seems like almost he created this role. And then Wanda was there for a very long time, too. Um, so four years and you moved on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's important to get into the time machine and go back a little bit to when I was interviewing for the job. Um, and one of the things that I signaled to the board was, and I didn't have a real concrete timeline, but I said, just to be perfectly transparent and candid here, uh, I will not have the tenure of a John Gard or a Wanda Wilson in this role, knowing myself the way that I know mm-hmm. myself, and that um, I'm willing to go all in on this, but there is, you know, an expiration date on, on, on my tenure here. And we should probably think about five years as mm-hmm. that. And so um, the reason why I felt that way then, and I ultimately made the decision that I made, is that I know myself well enough to know that for me, my work at the AANA was really focused around, like, I felt a really strong ob- obligation to give back to the association that gave me everything. And I felt like I was in a good position and I had the right skill set to be successful. Now, it wasn't all altruistic. Let's be real here. It was also a great opportunity. Sure. And, and I wouldn't have the job today 
that I have if it was if it wasn't for the four years that I did it, mm-hmm. and and the work that we did at the ANA as CEO uh, when I was there. So I don't want to position this as I saved the associate. That would be nonsense. It was a great opportunity. I had this sense of obligation and service. I was in love with the organization, and still am mm-hmm. in love with the profession. But it was for me. It was it was not going to be. A retirement last, job. It was not going to be my last job. And I knew that. And, and, and I was very clear with my wife and, and, and the board. And even a year or so before I ultimately left, I signaled to the board. You know, I signaled to the board we should start talking about succession planning. Mm. And, and um, that there will be a time, sometime in the very you know, relative near future, where I'm going to leave and, and pursue some other opportunities. So... Did I know it was going to be four years? No. I thought it was probably going to be in the five to seven year time frame. But sometimes it's difficult to predict when opportunity Mm -hmm. comes and when when things in your life shift. Randy, what was one of the, when you look back on your time at the ANA, what was one of the most challenging parts of that position? Mm. Well, I think, you know, most people would expect me to say um, when you are working with a volunteer board. Right. So there's a good portion of our board of directors any given year. And there's there's variability year to year for sure. Right. Who um, are passionate about the organization, who want to give back, uh, who really want to do the right thing, but don't have a lot of experience mm. in business and leadership acumen. Yeah. So they come in with unrealistic expectations of what can be done or what should be done. And a lot of what I did in my role uh, was what I would euphemistically refer to as board management, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is I spent 50% of my job working with the board, right? Developing relationships, making sure we're all in the same boat, rowing in the same direction. Uh, and um, when there are political things that occur, because you're dealing with human beings Absolutely. and all organizations have politics, and especially so in nonprofit associations with volunteer boards, there's a there's a deep current of internal politics that you have to be aware of and you have to navigate it expertly to get shit done, mm-hmm. right? And so I benefited from having that experience. I learned, I grew, I made my share of mistakes. And at the end of the four-year run that I had at the AANA, I was a much more self-aware, more diplomatic, more thoughtful leader. But it was also to the point in time where spending 50% of my time managing the board was right. be- was becoming a problem for me. Right. Like it wasn't like I wanted to, I had an expectation of I want to deliver results and I want to deliver them pretty quickly. And when you're leading a conservative membership organization, I don't mean conservative from a political sense. Right. I mean conservative from a risk-taking sense. Sure. Uh, boards by nature are conservative with finances, right? So, you know, there was a point in time where, you know, as I was approaching my fourth year, it's like, I'm so glad that I did this. And now it's time for me to move on and go pursue some other opportunities. Well, so, you bring up another point that yeah. I want to hit on real quickly, because now we've got a CEO who is not a CRNA. Yeah. But yet you just said that you've got to understand the internal politics. I think you understood it better because you come up through the ranks. Mm-hmm. You were a board member and then you were CEO. He's walking into our doors. God bless him. Mm-hmm. And he has none of that. Yeah. Well, How what, do you think that could play out? I think, you know, I don't know Bill well. Uh, I don't really know him at all. Um, but based on his pedigree and his, you know, his background, I think he's positioned to be successful. What I would say is um, 
He's going to have a steep learning curve. He's going to have a steep learning curve. But I had a steep learning learning curve too. Sure. It was on the other end. Other right. end. Which yeah. you're right. So I came in knowing the knowing the players, knowing the organization, knowing the profession, able to speak to people like, hey, I know what it's like to do a C-section at three o'clock in the morning yeah. by yourself, right. right? Right. Oh, what I needed to do real damn fast was learn the association business. Mm-hmm. Now Bill's going to come in knowing he's got you know he's got the chops, he's got the experience, he's positioned well. Now he's just going to have to learn the culture. He's going to have to learn, you the know, people. the people, the staff, all of that. So I think it's, you know, there's a learning curve. There's a price to be paid one way or another. Uh, you may or may not know, I was a very strong proponent of removing I know the, the CRNA requirement for the CEO. One, because I knew I was leaving. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted yeah. to position whoever was going to follow me for success. And two, I wanted to give the board optionality. Meaning at the end of the day, if the right candidate was a CRNA, then hire that CRNA. However, if the right candidate is a non-CRNA, an association executive with a proven track record of success, then he or she should get a good look, right? And so for me, you know, like if Bill asked me for advice and, and he doesn't have to, and he's certainly very you know, accomplished and I wouldn't expect that he would, I would say, and he's done this in the past, I'm certain, is this is a profession, this is an organization that is highly relationship oriented. Mm-hmm. So get close to your board. Get to know each board member well individually, know their strengths, know their weaknesses, know their wants, know their desires, have a good idea of what they think they're going to accomplish, even though we all know it's, it's going to be different at the end of the tenure, mm-hmm. and then engage with intentionality and precision. If you do that, you're going to be very successful. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Randy, I'm just sitting here and and thinking through this and having sat on on several boards, you're you're completely right. And and I've got to think from your perspective, I've never really thought about it, but you're right. From your perspective, you probably did spend half of your time dealing with the board. Well, even as the chair of the board, that's what you do. But I mean, and I'm just throwing this out there. I mean, that's got to be very difficult because even knowing the folks on this board, you know, for years... Every year, you're revamping. You're mm-hmm. coming sure. in with different priorities from different people, competing. I'm going to do it better than the sure. last person. Is there a way to, I mean, from your perspective, to to kind of solve some of that sure. issue? I mean, what would you have done if they came to you and said, Randy, we want you to stay, and we're going to reduce that board time from 50 to 25%. How would you see that happening? I mean, because, yeah. yeah. I still would have left, um, okay. but even <laughs> if that conversation occurred, I would say for my predis- for the person who's following me, right, uh, my successor, this is how I would structure things differently uh, to give him or her a the appropriate amount of board engagement time, but also time to think strategically. Distance, yeah. Try you know <laughs> time to position the staff. You know he's going to naturally want to make changes. Uh, and I don't mean like fire people, but it's, maybe there's some restructuring. Maybe there's around. some people he yeah. wants to bring in. Undoubtedly, he'll do that. Undoubtedly, his vision will be different than mine, and that's okay. Yep. Uh, and in some ways, his vision would be better. I'm totally okay with that. Yep. What I would say is you know, I'm, what I have a – and I think this is probably one of my strengths is like I have a strong orientation towards systems thinking and systems problem solving. And what we're talking about, like why is the CEO spending 50% of his or her time with the board, mm-hmm. I would say that's a governance issue. 
right? So, you know, how do we prepare board members for when they hit the board? Yep. When they land on the board, they, are, they have a good understanding of the strategy of the organization, their role within the organization, and how to work together in, in a coherent and, and cohesive fancy fashion. <laughs> That's a big, the problem. Lots so a big of part of my job was like, we already did that conversation. We already tried that. You know, Wanda tried that seven years ago. It didn't work or whatever. Right. And the thing that is, and this is not unique to the ANA, and I don't right. want to no, be very clear about a lot this. Of boards, yeah. yeah, and yeah. I actually see this in, in, in corporates sometimes too, yeah. is what I call there is a lot of magical thinking that occurs with board members <laughs> who come in because they've thought about this idea and mm-hmm. uh, they've tested this idea with other people. Like this is the million dollar idea. This is what's going to change everything. And they land on the board with magical thinking. And that if we do this thing this year, it's going to be successful. Often their idea is bad. And yeah. it's just a way of telling them that like it's a well, that's well, not just board members. Yeah, that's yeah. people outside of the board. It's like this is well, this is it's well intentioned, but you haven't thought about the execution risk, right? And the right. and the resources associated with that. Exactly. So a more mature individual, more experienced individual, would come into the board and realize like, okay, I can't accomplish magical things in the next twelve months. Mm. That what my job is actually to nurture the strategic plan, right? To hold the CEO accountable to give the CEO resources, and to stay out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the role of the board. And that had to pull you in so many different directions every time you had a new board. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you just, I mean I'm mean, i just sitting here listening to you and thinking about you know, the company that I run. I mean, if, if every year I had to get folks to kind of buy into what I'm doing and change their thinking a little bit, sure. you know, that would be very difficult. Mm-hmm to run an yep. organization like that. I mean, there has to be, there has to be some change and better way to do that. So, you know, hopefully, yeah. you know, something will come out of that. Yeah. So. In, in the business world, we, we call that opportunity cost. <laughs> yes. Right, so yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Yes. So we, yeah. we spent like, it's Groundhog's Day. Since yeah. Since and some of it's like, it's natural. Yeah. Like it's totally, yeah, right. like, and I, I was guilty of this too. I don't want to position myself as like, oh, I was the best board member ever. Right. I came in, I know I had magical thinking. Yeah. So what I needed. Yeah. You wanted to blow up NBC or I did not. <laughs> <That's> not. <laughs> I just yes. wanted, to, I wanted that to make That was your speech. I wanted to make him sweat. <laughs> so, uh, and ultimately I think that was a good strategy. But <laughs> having said that, like, you know, this is just the nature of the fact that we have, you know, volunteer leaders and, yeah. and, and what I realized is it probably I don't know Bill. I'm sure Bill is exceptional. Well, and, he and would gets have a lot to of value. be to be chosen for this organization. Sure, and he gets a lot of value. He probably really appreciates constantly orienting and teaching and nurturing and growing. I, that was not. I think I was good at it, mm-hmm. but it didn't give me joy. Joy, right? So I want to work with it. a stable team where the metrics of success are clearly yep. articulated. I know when we're winning. I know when we're not. <laughs> uh, there's a scorecard. Uh, and I'm, and we are go, go, go versus kind of going back and rehashing. Like if I had another conversation about the NBC RNA, my head would have exploded. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, how long yeah. are we going to beat this dead horse? Exactly. Right. And they're still beating the hell out oh, of the horse yeah. right now. So Well, yeah. and you know, we're do- going through all this leadership development stuff. I chaired a task force mm. in 2011 that came out with yeah. recommendations. We worked with a sure. international yeah. uh, governance specialist. We come up with all this. Uh, where's that task force? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nothing. We didn't do it. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, it's a new idea 11 years later. Yeah. Yeah. So I see what you mean. I mean, yeah. it is Groundhog Day. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Randy, you know, I think there were some good points you've gotten across. I mean, one, you were transparent when you took the position, and I think that's great. I mm-hmm. don't. I, I bet a lot of people didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, th- I think that's really, really good. And the other thing is, is it wasn't really. Um, it was more about what Randy wanted. That was that. That's what this was about. I mean, it wasn't what anything that was done or, or, or said or anything else, or really not even the position. But what you figured out is that. This is not what you wanted to do the rest of your life, is what I hear you saying. For sure. Well, I For think sure. I hear that it's not utilizing your skill sets to the fullest yeah. extent. Yeah. And how you've transitioned into a role. And I would suspect that your role will have as much impact on our profession yeah. based on where you're at than being inside the profession. Have I, yeah. you think I got that right? I definitely believe that. And I communicated that to the individuals as I was transitioning out. Yeah. I said, I think that, I think in this new role that I'm in with Northstar, I think I'm going to be able to impact the profession actually more measurably than I did as CEO yeah. of the AA. Yeah. I agree. And I if agree. We, if we can do what I think we can do uh, and what we are doing at Northstar around CRNA leadership and disrupting positively disrupting the anesthesia market, uh, then I think that is going to move the profession forward. I don't want to sound grandiose here because I'm not, I'm not, that's not, that's not you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, for sure, you know, and and one of the things that I I try to do in like when I, I talk to a lot of people who aspire to do things, right? Start a company, go into academia, they want to be a CEO or maybe a CAO at a big company. And in what, I try to communicate to individuals is that you have to be willing to take risks with your career in order to do that. And walking away from the AANA as CEO four years into a gig, which I probably could have had as long as I wanted it, yeah. to be perfectly candid with you, mm-hmm. was very scary and yeah. unnatural, but necessary. And one of the driving things for me was like I was getting too comfortable in the mm-hmm. role. And I, I knew there was a point in time where I needed to do something else. And so I, there was like, I was at this inflection point, right? So there was like, okay, could I go be a CEO of, I don't know, you know, if the AANA is a $35 million organization, what the, the executive people would say, Randy, you need to go run a $100 million organization. Right. That's the next step up. Right. And then I thought about it and I was like, I don't want to be the CEO of the American Dental Association. <laughs> I, I would, I, yuck. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it became clear to me that the association space was not going to be where I wanted to grow. Right. And I wanted to do something in in more, you know, a more healthcare front and center kind of company or organization. And so that's like my words of advice is don't like fight the natural (laughs) predisposition for comfort. Yeah, mm-hmm. and because I could have been comfortable, you know, comfortable in that role. It was, a, it is a great role, and I have no people who are in those roles for ten years, twelve years. God bless them. I think it's great as long as they're bringing value and as long as they're getting value out of it. But know your internal compass where you need yeah. to go and trust your gut. I'm sitting here thinking about your wife. Yeah. The, 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 this her, whole her time, and she goes, "Randy's crazy. He's coming out again." So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, "What's heart. wrong with you?" Uh, well, Randy, I know we could sit here and talk to you forever, but yeah. um, you know it's always a pleasure to have you on the show yeah, and great to be here. Uh, welcome you back. And we wish you all the success. And I agree with you. I, you know, I look at this purely from the outside, but I think anytime we can have someone who has the knowledge of the CRNA community and someone of your caliber in an organization mm-hmm. like a North Star that is, it's not just regional. I mean, you guys are national, sure. and 
you love CRNAs, you love the organization, you're going to do everything you can out there to promote this organization. And we need more people like you in those roles to make sure that CRNAs of the future are benefiting from the same type of stuff that you guys have all benefited from what others have done. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. Thank you. So, thank thank you. you. Well, thank you for your kind, kind words. It's always a pleasure to join both of you. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's an honor to, to spend some time with you. So yeah. For future conversations too. Absolutely. Oh, there'll be Absolutely. more. All right. Well, Sharon, I think it's a wrap. I think so. We want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you like our show and want to help it grow, Sharon. The best way to help us grow is to leave us a review, but make it positive. As we all know, there's enough negativity in this world. That's it. And we're in the top 50 medical podcasts in the country on the way to number one, already number one in the CRNA community. We want to stay there. Thank you, listeners. Absolutely. Look at him. He's got his hands (laughs) together like he's praying. I'll be able to do that really soon you will. since Get I got that, my other Dupatrons fixed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Until next time. It's a wrap. As a CRNA, you spend years preparing yourself for this career, so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn. The best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment, or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, 
For CRNAs, data is destiny. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.